Hello, and welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Aaron. And I'm Damien. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, uh, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for the folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another, um, and Damien is up this week. So what are you bringing to the table today for us? I am. All right. So today I brought an article from The Nation, and it is called The Next Gerrymandering Nightmare Has Begun, mm-hmm. which was written by John Nichols, who is actually the one of the national affairs correspondents for The Nation, but he's also a blogger and uh, an acclaimed author. He's got several books out there. Um, and if you want to check it out, I should mention that this article was published last month back in August. Um, and of course, you can find it on the nation's website. So I encourage you to check it out um, because it was really good. Like, it, you know, yeah. basically this article highlights just how critical of an issue gerrymandering is. Um, I think particularly in the context of as, as and as it relates to the recent release of the 2020 census data. Um, And sort of with that, like this article really addresses like the major role that partisan gerrymandering could play in future elections, including the 2024 presidential election um, and what our elected officials need to do if they are concerned about the impact of gerrymandering as a voter suppression tool, um, one that could have, you know, seriously detrimental effects on our on our society. So. It's it's a it's a relatively short article, so it's an easy read, um, but it definitely, you know, sort of tackles this important issue that is critical to us right now, and I think is a present day social justice issue. So I wanted to bring it to the table, make sure folks knew about it, um, sort of especially in the context of the the census, and and talk about it with you today. So, yeah, where do you want to start? What what stood out to you, my friend? Yeah, um, I mean, this is a this is a big issue. Yeah. Um, and I think it's one that, in general, the Supreme Court doesn't really seem to care much about. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, as they ruled back in 2019 that uh, partisan gerrymandering is not within their purview. Right. Um, I think I read a separate article about that because I was like, I remember that vaguely, but I wanted to make sure I wasn't making stuff up in my mind. So yeah. um, that was the ruling, uh, even though they thought, you know, there are opportunities for this to be unjust. Yeah. Right. Um, hmm. And they were like, well, it doesn't mean we can do anything about it. Oh, my goodness. Um, so that's um, interesting. And again, not constitutional lawyers here, so don't fully understand the argument there. Sure. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me just based on common sense. But, yeah. Um, lots of things don't. <laughs> so Here we are, though. Here we are. Um, and so I, I will also say that they have ruled specifically, the Supreme Court that is, against racial gerrymandering. Um, and so that is, um, uh, you know, explicitly outlined as not allowed. Um, although I would I would say that the Supreme Court is talking out of both sides of their mouths there because they also it? gutted the Voting Rights Act How about um, it? several years back. And, yes. you know, uh, racial gerrymandering is still happening in back rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, alongside partisan gerrymandering and making it try to look the same. Um, and so it's still happening. And like, um, you know, discrimination cases, you have to prove intent. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I believe rather than the outcome. Um, and so the intention has to be racist, not the outcome. 
um, which yeah. so that makes it difficult um, to to do because somebody has to admit to it, right? Right, or you have to have some kind of paper trail that that's ha- that's what happened. Um, but I think you know all gerrymandering is a big issue because it's a thumb on the scales of our elections. Yes. Um, cool. Yeah. You know, especially when it's in the hands of a lopsided state government to draw up the maps for new districts. And I'll say, like, the article I read about the Supreme Court um, from a a few years ago, that decision I I referenced, um, somebody in that article whose name escapes me right now, I should have written that down, too, Mm -hmm. um, said that this isn't um, specifically a Republican issue. Oh, right. It is in the context right now because that's who's... um, mostly sort of playing this game right um but history shows that whoever's in power in these different places are more than willing to tip the scales in their um in their favor so um you know yeah it's it's not just a partisan issue it's it's a democracy kind of government process issue um that has a big impact Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and you talk about sort of it's usually the folks who are in power that are doing that. And mm-hmm. and certainly, you know, I think one of the big takeaways from this article that we read today um, is this idea that, you know, particularly GOP governors and legislators have done this before. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, the article talks about how 10 years ago we saw the release of the 2010 census data. And sort of as a result of that, we saw lots of gerrymandering and redistricting districting efforts um, that had a ripple effect on our elections and our policies and our laws in in the years following that. And so, you know, I think this article asks sort of the $100,000, million, whatever you want to say question Mm -hmm. is, you know, why would this time be any different? Right. And I think especially given what the 2020 census data has revealed about our population um, and the fact that we are a country that's more diverse than ever. Yeah. Um, and so, and that is sort of a, a scary uh, boogeyman uh, and bugaboo for for some of our uh, GOP folks. And so, you know, in particular, I, I was struck by this quote from the article, and I think this sort of speaks to this directly. And the quote is, states have long been preparing for this moment, and they now have the green light to start gerrymandering. If left unchecked, this year's redistricting cycle represents a severe threat to our democracy, explains Josh Silver, who heads the nonpartisan reform group Represent Us. He goes on to say, gerrymandering is one of the worst forms of political corruption and leads to extremism and partisan gridlock. Mm. The maps drawn this year will shape American politics and policy for the next decade. And that's like, that's powerful, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and and, and it's something we've seen happen before, um, which again, I think, just speaks to, and you referenced this too, like I think it just speaks to how important of an issue this is. And and I think the other piece that's sort of connected in my mind is, and something that we've talked about many times here before, is just how scary of a notion it is to some of our elected officials for non-white people and folks from marginalized and with marginalized identities, I should say, to have a voice uh, and yeah. to use that voice to, to demand change, right? Yeah, I think that people in power don't like to have that conversation um because if you acknowledge that it's something that exists um then you can be challenged to do something about it yes um and they absolutely don't want to do that um so it's easier to deny things like racism um deny that that exists because you don't have to do anything if you're like well it doesn't exist um man well that also speaks to your intent yeah right as well right exactly um 
you don't have to grapple with the contradictions in our country and the founding of our country. Um, and so you can stay sort of blissfully ignorant in the mythology that the U.S. tells itself, right? Like, you know, there's a there's a matrix metaphor in there um, <laughs> somewhere. So, um, yeah, I said this uh, something like this a few minutes ago, but this is a huge distortion of our so-called representative democracy. Yes. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it's like playing a game of Monopoly with a crooked banker um, who decides to pay themselves more when they pass go because they have the power of being the banker. Yeah. So, oh man, you had to bring up Monopoly. That's a cutthroat yeah. game for, it, for a lot of folks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've, well, played, I've played Monopoly with some crooked bankers in my day. <laughs> right. And right now we're all voting in, uh, in a system with crooked Monopoly bankers, yeah. right? Who control different pieces of state governments that decide how these maps are drawn up. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Wow. Uh, now I want to play Monopoly, but not with Cricket Beckers. <laughs> um, yeah, I appreciate that. You know, I think about one of the other sort of, I think most powerful pieces in my opinion from this article is this idea that really gerrymandering determines which party wins elections, right? And sort of, right. I think this was something that, this was a sort of a critical point of this article. Um, and, and I'm going to pull another quote that I think was, um, it struck me pretty hard, right? So the quote here is, most Americans believe that who wins, who wins political races is decided on election day by the voters. Mm -hmm. But in a single member district electoral system, that is frequently not true. Who wins is often determined before voters even go to the polls, sometimes many years before, explains political scientist Douglas Amy, an expert on electoral systems at Mount Holyoke College. Douglas goes on to say, the outcome is decided by those who draw the district lines. If they decide to create a district that is 70% Republican, there is little chance that a Democratic candidate will win. And Republican candidates who usually lose a district lose if a district is drawn so that it is predominantly Democratic. Voters go to the poll confident in the illusion that they control the fate of the candidates. But in reality, they are often only participating in the last act of political play whose ending has already been written. Mm. Right. Like, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, you sort of just spoke to this and, and I, this quote really sort of struck me because I have this wild idea that in our mind that our votes should matter. Right. right? And, and this idea that our elected officials um, are essentially rigging the system and changing the field of play in spite of who we are uh, as, as citizens and, and what we want is, um, you know, for lack of a better term, really just so deeply troubling. Yeah. I think that that's one of the things, um, that I think in that article, as it as it went on, somebody said something like voters should pick their politicians yes. and politicians shouldn't pick their voters. Yep. Um, and that's um, that's basically what this is. Right. So I really liked that kind of um, quippy yes. thing yep. um, uh, that. And so that stuck out to me, along with this quote that you just shared, because I think of how much truth is in it. Um, yeah. We all walk into the voting booth thinking about our vote and whether it matters, um, particularly when we think about the Electoral College, which is obviously that is a whole other yeah. discussion. Yeah, that could be an episode on its own, right? Um, at some point, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but then to add a layer onto it about how the outcome of the election that I'm participating in is basically already decided yeah. based on the district map that was drawn up well before I stepped into that booth yeah. to cast my vote. Um, and so, yeah, to reiterate, we're simply participating in the last act of a political play that's already been written. Mm. Um, and, you know, there are surprises sometimes, but yeah. for the most part, we're living in districts that are not um, 
swing swing districts, right? Where right. like we're living in predominantly one party or the other districts, um, and so we're just kind of along for the ride. Yeah. Um, and so there the maps are sort of either they're either packing um, like all of one one party of voters into a map, um, or they're cracking apart a yes. large piece of um of a voting demographic um around a party um to sort of split them up and and uh, split up the power that they might hold um and so those are the two kind of terms is packing and cracking that i decided we should add in here to this conversation yeah because that's what's happening absolutely um they're either consolidating everybody into one so that you then reduce the number of those kind those representatives from that party who end up in representing the state um, or they're splitting up the political power of those people so that th- they are not as well represented. Yeah. Um, oh man. So those are the, that's, that's the dynamics. As I was sort of sitting here listening to you talk earlier, I was thinking like, Oh, maybe we should actually talk about what gerrymandering is. So I'm glad you yeah. did that. that. That's, that's it. Right. That's what's happening here. And that's what we're seeing at play and uh, across the country. Um, you know, and the other thing that I was struck by with what you just said is this idea of like, you know, and I said, our votes should matter, right? I think about the amount of time and energy, you know, engaged citizens, right? We actually spend our time thinking about who's on the ballot, right? And we yep. do research, right? And we care about the issues that um, these candidates say are important to them, right? And and that's how we vote, right? And so to have this sort of like rigged system and game that is being played um, with us is, is, I guess I said troubling earlier, it's infuriating really to think yep. about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that we're sort of a part of, um, so... I, I appreciate you sort of talking about gerrymandering and highlighting sort of what what the play looks like, yeah. <laughs> you know, what the, op- the the play opportunities look like for, for sure. Um, you know, one of the other things I, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't mention was the this article bringing up the For the People Act. Um, and it, and mm-hmm. it does that a number of times throughout it. And I love that because I think that the For the People Act is this critical piece of legislation that could have a profound and positive impact on our society, especially when I think about all that we have seen and all that we've talked about here on the show about voter suppression, right? And yeah. so, you know, if you haven't heard of the For the People Act, I, I would strongly encourage you to check it out and certainly at this point encourage your senators to pass it. You know, the the long and short of it is that the, the For the People Act really addresses um, voter access and uh, election, election integrity, um, campaign finance, and sort of other ethical procedures uh, for actually all three branches of government. Mm-hmm. Sort of touches all three. And and related to what we've talked about today with this article, um, the bill really works to expand voter registration and voting access. Um, it limits removing voters from voter rolls, which is you know one of those tactics we talked about in, I can't remember which episode that was, way yeah, back yeah. when. Um, and you know a key point here is that it requires states to establish independent redistricting commissions to execute congressional redistricting. redistricting. I don't know why that word is so difficult today. <laughs> um, and so you know I think like this article points out, I think there's so much potential with this bill to be a powerful uh, you know, like force for good right. um, as it relates to social justice and, and our society. So, you know, I, I, like I said, I wanted to mention it here and and, and make sure folks are aware of it and, and certainly encourage folks to support it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe we're forecasting a little bit of homework here. Okay. Because um, yeah. yeah. I think we could find some links that we can share on our uh, social channels. Um, so people Absolutely. can send messages to their senators pretty easily about this. Yes. Um, Love that because um, it's becoming more urgent, uh, and you know, even though 
the House has passed this twice yes. now, I think. Um, it's gotten to the Senate, you know, and, and the Senate was controlled by Mitch McConnell previously, who has no interest in any of this. Yep. Um, and now I think there are the, you know, the Senate's technically split, but the Democrats do have the majority in some ways, um, but it's still sort of held up. Right. Um, uh. Because there are a couple moderate Democrats who don't believe anything should change or the, right, don't believe in this in the same way. Yeah. Um, and I think this is also related to the filibuster, right? Particularly as I as I name those moderate Democrats who don't don't want to change things. Yeah. The filibuster has got to go as well. Mm -hmm. um, and this is tied to this conversation, I think, because um, it's holding up some progressive legislation that would ultimately change the the, the systems that we're talking about. Yes. Um, and so it's not this deeply held Senate tradition that I feel like I was taught that it was, right? Mm -hmm. I remember watching um, what Mr. Smith goes to Washington oh, yeah. and like the sort of triumphant filibuster that he does on the floor. Um, that's not really how it works anymore. At all. Um, and also it was um, sort of really enacted as a way to... Um, it was clarified and developed to block civil rights legislation from going anywhere in the Senate. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it's really disappointing that the moderate Democrats, um, Manchin and Cinema, to name them, have decided that this anti-democratic anti practice can continue to, to, per to persist yeah. uh, in the name of this sort of phony bipartisanship that they claim that they want to see. Um, and I, I, I call it phony because there's been... Um, so little offered by Republicans politically um, for a long time, other than this culture war stuff um, that's now included like masks and, and the COVID-19 vaccine right. and, and all this stuff. So saying that they're willing to work with anyone, um, right, like that bipartisanship is going to magically happen with this current group of Republicans and their mindset and, and worldview, um, it's it's a farce. It really, really um, is. And so that's another reason why the, the filibuster has to go because the right like the GOP has essentially um, developed into an opposition party that's just there to block whatever um, progress like people want. Yes. Um, because most of the things that they're against like have pretty big public support, like over 60, 70 percent for things. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 uh, important to mention the filibuster, and I'm glad you did. And certainly thinking about how it affects lots of different things, right? So certainly mm -hmm. like voter suppression things, um, but even sort of this present day sort of pandemic that we are still very much so in, um, right? Yeah, and and real uh, work and progress that could be made is being sort of halted by this filibuster. So, um, yeah, I I appreciate that for sure. Um, well. Uh, this feels like maybe a good time to, to shift and start talking about application, but mm -hmm. it's it's wild because I, th to be honest, I think all of this has felt like application, right? Right. Um, you know what we've talked about today is 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 all current events, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and this article in particular really is focused on you know the fact that the 2020 census data has been released and you know what our elected officials are doing and and will do as a result of that or won't do as a result of that and. And that has real application to all of our lives and our and our futures and our children's futures and our democracy and um, and certainly our our fight for social justice. And so, this feels 
I don't know, it, it both quite simple and profoundly important, but we all need to be invested in this. Yeah. Um, and, and as the article pointed out, I think, you know, we all need to be supporting our elected officials and the activists who are deeply engaged in efforts to prevent, you know, GOP legislators from creating and instituting gerrymandered maps without the public's input. Um, because there, I just think that there's too much at stake and, and we deserve to have a representative government that actually listens to and works for us and not against us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, that's spot on. Uh, I think sort of my thought around application here too, is that we have to understand how this kind of political gamesmanship is played mm. locally for, for all of Ooh. us individually. Right. So, yeah. um, for example, here in Maryland, um, our maps are drawn up uh, by the governor uh, and then confirmed by the state legislature. And so it's not just that the governor sort of just like draws a map. Um, he's appointed a commission um, to create a proposal and then that will be presented at some point to the legislature in the next few months. Um, and then the legislature has to pass a joint resolution to approve that or modify that proposal within 45 days. Um, and if they oh, wow. don't, the governor's proposal becomes law and that that's what the map ah, becomes okay um so yeah that was it was more i looked it up yeah I was like how how does it work um so it is um a little bit more uh complex i think than i thought it was for for just for our state yeah for Maryland. um yeah and more complex than how i originally read something else other than this this resource i found um so the you know, and to think about Maryland is to think about there are 49 other states um, that draw these up differently. Yeah. Um, and there are 49 different processes that, um, you know, some might be connected to each other and whatever. Sure, but, share some processes, um, but, you know, the way that each state does this is different. And I think, you know, you have to understand how that works in, in each of your each of our states. Um, you know, wherever you wherever it is that you are, that you're voting or you're listening to. Um, this, you know, we, we have to recognize that because that determines, as we said, so much about how our elections turn out. Right. And the progress that is made. Right. Yeah. I appreciate that so much. Like, because as I was thinking about, you know, we always talk about homework, like that was one right. of the things I wanted to do, right. Just think about what's happening here in our home state of Maryland. And it sounds like you've already done some of that homework. So yeah. I'm going to, we're going to talk, we're going to chat a little bit more about this afterwards because <laughs> that was part of my homework because I, I had no idea what that process looks like in Maryland. And, and particularly this article actually even names Maryland by name, right. Mm -hmm. As uh, they talk about it, Maryland being a place where Democrat, Democrats' prospects might be improved by gerrymandering efforts, right? But, right, yeah. you talk about sort of this political gamesmanship that happens and, you know, how much of all of this is just getting in the way of us, you know, having this representative government that we deserve, right, and, right. and doing real work. And so, yeah, I want to learn more about what's happening here in Maryland because that's where we live. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, let's chat more about that. So that's that's part of my homework that Aaron's already done some work too, and I appreciate <laughs> that. Um you know, I think the other thing I was thinking about was um, actually looking at the census data, right? right. I want to dive deeper into that. I looked into it a little bit um, for our conversation today. But when you go to the United States Census Bureau's website, you know, you can actually view all of the data. And there is so much there, right? There's mm -hmm. tables and charts and narratives and um, like pages upon pages of, of, of data, Um that, that you can view. And so I think that's something that we all could do, right? And just sort of see like, yeah. who are we, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is about us. Um, and so um, 
uh, I was I was on the site for about an hour and just looking through and clicking through stuff. So I want to spend some more time on that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Maryland is it's mentioned in the article, as you said, as a, a state that could um, maybe gain some Democratic seats or something. Um, I forget exactly how they put it, but um, we were named along with, I think, Illinois, Illinois, maybe I think. something else. Um, but uh, the you know, we, we also are in a district that is gerrymandered, yes. right? Uh-huh. Like um, where sort of uh, our section of the district um, is connected to Southern Maryland, which trends more for Republican yes. uh, in terms of registered, registered voters. Um, and so like our more um, densely populated section of Maryland is like sort of combined with this other I think more rural um, and more Republican area to sort of crack their power yes, um, and mm. uh, shift to uh, only having, I think essentially one district in, in the state that is Republican. Um, so, you know, this does go, as I said earlier, like this isn't necessarily just a Republican problem. It's no. right. Like how we're represented. It, it it's, it's it's uh it's bigger than just one party because yeah. um, we both the, the both of the current parties will do it um, and yes. if a third or fourth or however many other parties shows up they're gonna do it too yeah um as well just based on how the systems work right with a sort of winner take all in a representative uh, district that's that's how they play the game without a doubt um so yeah I think if this is your particular area of interest around like sort of electoral work um my homework is to find an organization um, who's working on reforms to the redistricting process okay um, because these politically drawn maps are i think in a lot of ways anti-democratic um yeah right they're used as a means to tilt the scales before we even get to vote right and so um that's what that's what we said earlier and uh, I think it's going to be crucial to continue to watch what happens with redistricting as the year continues, um, because um, you know the number of representatives in the in Congress, um, you know, Democrats represent tens of millions of more voters yes. than Republicans do, um, and so that's a shift itself in how power plays out. Where you know, essentially, there's kind of because of that representation, there's more power if you are in a, a Republican district um, that has fewer people than other districts yeah. um, based on what state you're in or, or whatever. And that really plays out in the Senate. Um, but anyway, um, that and that's connected to these things like the For the People Act or the John Lewis Voting Rights Act oh, yes. that are left just sitting to collect dust because the Senate can't move them forward at all because of the filibuster or because of whatever other... Um, restrictive rules or procedures that they have uh, in place that um, are there and also need to be reformed and, and looked at and maybe gotten rid of. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's some good homework looking at organizations, but also appreciate the the mentioning of the John Lewis Voting Rights Act for sure. And, mm-hmm. and this idea of like, you know, we need to get work done. There is work that needs to be done. There is suppression and oppression happening uh, at all levels. Um and it's affecting real people. Yeah. Um, and so we've got to do something about it, right? And so that's that's the point of all of this for sure. 
Um, all right, Aaron. Well, you're up, my friend. What are you bringing to the table in our next episode? Uh, so we talked about the For the People Act here today. So we I did. thought we'd talk more about it next week. All right. Um, so I'm bringing an article from the Brennan Center for Justice. Um, they were cited in this yeah. article. Oh, they've been cited yeah. there. We've mentioned them before, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, and it's called For the People Act, colon, Separating Fact from Fiction. Okay. Um, so we'll be able to discuss that article, which breaks down some of the myths um, that are being spread about the proposed legislation um, and, uh, you know, dispels those myths yeah. uh, in a variety of ways. And so I'm also guessing that, you know, depending on how we prepare for that conversation, we'll have some other uh, pieces from different media uh, mm. or maybe, you know, directly language from the House of Representatives bill oh, yeah. um, that we can bring to that conversation as well. So, um, yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Let's do that for the people. I yeah. like it. For the people act. Excuse me. Right. <laughs> Let's do We'll it. talk about the For the People yeah. Act for the people who do listen to this this here podcast. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And we appreciate you for listening so Absolutely. much. Uh, so with that, we want to thank you for joining us today. And as I said, for listening to Interdependent Study, uh, you know what we want you to do. But in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating and review, share our podcast with all the people in your life. Follow us on social media. Uh, sign up for our email list. Get notified about new things we've got going on behind the scenes. Visit our merch store. All of the above and more. Again, we appreciate you so much. Yes. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.